You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It starts with one In the end, it doesn't even matter. So the Cleveland Browns season has come to a glorious finale. And in the end, will it all matter? 1-15 in 15, uh, with a one win coming last week against the San Diego Chargers. The Cleveland Browns now uh, kind of move forward looking towards the NFL draft, looking towards an offseason where they are together as an organization. They're not making any changes as we watch all of the rumors and the reports and everything that's going on. The Cleveland Browns go into the offseason with everything in place. Uh, Jimmy Haslam told reporters yesterday he had no plans to make any changes. Uh, the report from Jason LaConforna, uh, he said he doesn't um, really speak about that reporter. So that tells you what he thinks about Mr. LaConforna. Um, now, Mike Silver has made some innuendos on Twitter. Again, Mike Silver of the NFL.com, who is also very, very close with Hugh Jackson, has made some innuendos about who is making the final decisions uh, this year compared to last year. I think some of that's just about the fact that Hugh Jackson has earned more and more power, um, as he should as a coach uh, who has proven himself at some level um, and really is the main football guy, along with Andrew Barry. Uh, in the Browns organization. Uh, hopefully Hugh Jackson is also not sick on his, uh, on a hospital type bed, uh, not able to move, not able to really be a part of the free agent process. Something that was a frustrating process for him last year, as well as the whole organization. And so as we look at kind of where the Browns are going compared to other teams, compared to the San Francisco 49ers, compared to um, where everybody, where some of the other teams are at, Jacksonville Jaguars even, um, the Browns have already laid a foundation, the foundation of an analytics department uh, with their football guy, Andrew Barry, uh, the young guy, a lot of scouting history, uh, Hugh Jackson as the head coach, um, and then a foundational draft with some um, some impressive players, and then just some players that um, you're going to need on your team. The Browns have kind of put all of that in place, and now they're going into year two with over $100 million in salary cap space. Uh, a, the number one, 12, 33, and 50th pick. So four of the top 50 picks the Browns currently have, to give you some, just the way I think about that. There are 32 teams in the league, so 64 teams in the first two rounds, but the Browns have four picks in the top 50. And so um, some teams will only have drafted once by the time the Browns have drafted four times. That'll be every playoff team and two teams who are not in the playoffs. The Browns will draft four times before those teams draft once. That's crazy. That's exciting, right? Or I'm sorry, 
Those teams have drafted only once. The Browns have drafted four times. But we'll start today looking at the Browns games with the game with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, most of you watched it. Um, it's easy to look at that game and say, well, the Steelers had a bunch of backups in. They didn't really care, all of that kind of stuff. And at some level, you are right. You are right when you look at the Steelers' offense. The Steelers' offense with D'Angelo Williams uh, and Toussaint totaled 69 total yards because of uh, a bad end around. Uh, the two running backs um, had a total of 81 yards. But then Landry Jones, who is not a very good quarterback, not a very good quarterback, was 24 of 37 for 277 yards, three touchdowns, and one IMT for 103.1 rating. And so even without some of his top targets or some of the top targets for uh, the Steelers, he was really able to spread the ball around. Rodgers and Ayers uh, had six and five receptions. Hamilton Williams with three, Toussaint and James with two, uh, as well as Knicks. And Darius Haywood Bay had one for 46 yards. But defensively, almost all of the Steelers played, almost all of the Steelers played most of their normal minutes, uh, normal snaps. Uh, this isn't basketball, Jared. Um, but that's that's the defense the Browns was going against yesterday was pretty much most of the regular defenders for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And what do we see? Isaiah Crowell with 19 carries and 152 yards. Now, a big portion of those came on that long 67 yards. Um, but still, 19 carries. Great. Hughes finally getting him close to the 20 carry mark for 152 yards and 8.0 average. George Atkinson, the third, gets his first carries of the year. Seven carries, 34 yards, almost a five-yard uh, carry average. Duke Johnson got one carry. Still a little confusing that Duke is getting so few carries. Um, he also was not targeted in the passing game. But again, the Browns racked up 231 yards against most of the starters for the Pittsburgh defense. That is a quality game. Robert Griffin III, 29 of 40, so not terrible. 232 yards. Not terrible, especially when you have a running game going so well. He was sacked four times for 26 yards loss. Had two touchdowns and one interception that he totally missed uh, the dropping linebacker, Ryan Shazier. Um, but we can forgive that at some level. And he had a quarterback rating of 92.9. So going through all those stats, uh, Terrell Pryor, 94 yards, goes over 1,000 yards for the season. Crowell almost went over 1,000 yards on less than 200 carries. So again, I know I've been beating that drum, but it's important to realize that Isaiah Crowell almost had 1,000 yards with less than 200 carries. Remember, most teams want their kind of bell cow back to get around or just short of 300 carries. So 275, 260, 280, somewhere in that area is something most teams want. Even with a depleted offensive line, uh, D'Angelo Williams got 23 rushes yesterday, only had an average of 2.9 yards per carry, but still got 23 rushes. Imagine if Isaiah Crowell got that kind of, of workload, what might be able to happen and what might be able to happen next year. Who knows? Maybe Hugh Jackson was saving him a little bit, knowing this year didn't matter. Uh, he was able to prove himself, uh, but able to save himself as well. So maybe that was what Hugh Jackson was looking uh, forward to moving forward. And so the Browns made a game of it. 
Um, again, playing against the backup Steelers offense, but most of the starters on defense, the Browns were enjoyable to watch. It was fun to see the Browns be competitive. And speaking of competitive, it is now the playoffs. And so SeatGeek is the easiest way to find tickets for the last few games of the season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest games of the year. And with SeatGeek, even though the Browns aren't in the playoffs, it's never been easier to get guaranteed seats you want for a great value. What better way to spend maybe a little vacation than to go away and watch an NFL playoff game? Hopefully something the Browns will be in in the future. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way I've found to buy tickets. I can be anywhere with just a few taps. I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app today. That's S-E-A-T-G-E-E-K. Go to the settings tab and click on the add a promo code and then enter my promo code LO Browns for locked on Browns. That's LO Browns. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first purchase. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter the promo code LO Browns. So now that we get to, we're kind of on the other end of the start, right? And so the start to the Browns was Hugh Jackson and Sashi Brown and all of that. This draft really loaded up the Browns from a draft pick perspective and hopefully from at least at a minimum a foundational perspective. I always have been pointing to Danny Shelton as an example of a player who has developed over time. Another one is Christian Kirksey, right? Um, And so when you look at who the Browns are a rookie year, besides a couple players, so Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Mike Thomas, maybe Jalen Ramsey, besides those four players, Rookies don't tend to have great impacts on their team. It just doesn't kind of work that way. Uh, Players need to develop, need to figure things out, you know, all of that stuff. But when you look at where the Browns are, Danny Shelton had a terrible rookie year. I mean, he didn't even have an okay rookie year. He was horrible his rookie season. And guess what? Now, he looks like a player who is the foundation of the middle of the line. Christian Kirksey looked okay as a rookie, but now he looks like a vital piece of the Browns' future. So when you look at some of the players the Browns have, Carl Nassib is an example of someone who uh, has the motor, has everything going for him, and just needs to get bigger, needs to get stronger. Things are going to happen over time, but Carl Nassib has a lot of development. Corey Coleman looked good as he started to develop as the year has gone on, pressed a little much, but we see a lot of talent with him. Then you got players like even Joe Schobert, who at a minimum is going to be a good special teams player, a backup inside linebacker, but that's okay. Cody Kessler can develop. We saw even with Robert Griffin III, the last four games having some consistency, he really was able to develop and show something. And so going into next year, 
going into the draft that we have, we we finally have the number one overall pick. Haven't had that since, since Courtney Brown and Tim Couch back-to-back years. The Browns have the ability to add so much talent just in the draft. And they're going to add that talent to a bunch of young wide receivers. Hopefully we're bringing back Terrell Pryor. We'll talk about that in a second. A bunch of young wide receivers. Joe Thomas, Joel Batonio, two studs on the left side of the offensive line. And then two young guys in Spencer Drango and Sean Coleman, who they hope are a part of their future. And still looking to figure out the rest around an Austin Pastor, Austin Ryder, uh, Fabiano, uh, a lot of other players. Cam Irvin, who knows with his with his knee injury that just came. But they have a lot of players that they can work with. One of them, and one of them I want to highlight right now and then kind of talk about free agency in the draft, uh, kind of finishing up this Monday morning Locked On Browns, is Emmanuel Ogba. Ogba would probably by most people's accounts have had the best season for a Browns rookie, but I want to read some stats to you real, real quick. And those are this, 76 combined tackles, four sacks, three pass defenses, one forced fumble, 17 assists. Okay. That is the rookie year for one Khalil Mack. Again, 76 combined tackles, 59 tackles, 17 assists. Uh, That's that combine into 76 total. Four sacks, three passes defended, one forced fumble. Okay. So the numbers we'll focus on are 76, 4, 3, and 1. And now we'll go over to Mr. Emmanuel Ogba. Unfortunately, the one that I clicked was actually his draft-related one. thought I had his stats up here. want to make sure I have the right information for you so that we are all on the same page. And so Emmanuel Ogba in his rookie year also played 16 games. He had 53 combined tackles, so less than Khalil Mack. Five and a half sacks, one and a half more than Khalil Mack. Three pass defended the same as Mr. Mack, and no forced fumbles. So when we look at um, the com- the comparison, looking at the Raiders who drafted Derek Carr and Khalil Mack, you're looking at both Khalil Mack and Emmanuel Ogba are about six foot three. Ogba has a little bit longer arms and weighs 275 compared to Khalil Mack's 250. So when people say this draft hasn't had any impact players, just in the rookie year alone, Emmanuel Agba has been as good, maybe a little bit better, especially from a sack and pressure perspective, than Khalil Mack was. And has some time to develop. So Mack went from four sacks to 15. I doubt Agba's going to get there next year. And then he had 11 this year. Maybe 10 or 11 is a more better guess for Agba next year. Uh, but he was really learning this year. And so as we look forward, I put up uh, the, my first round uh, NFL 2017 mock draft 1.0 on the orange and brown report today. I will always have 33 picks for that this year since the Browns have the number one pick in every round. And so when we look at what the Browns have the opportunity to add, it's important to understand that four picks in the top 50 mean players who should have some level of impact in their rookie year, some, but long-term should be star or starter, high-level starters, over the next four, five, to ten years. 
I have the Browns drafting a lot of defensive players because I believe that Hugh Jackson um, believes in his offensive system. They also put a lot of draft picks towards the offense last year. So you had the four wide receivers, you had two offensive linemen, you had Seth DeValve, the tight end. So you've got a lot of picks that are developing on the offensive side. Add that to Joe Thomas, Joel Batonio, Terrell Pryor. And you see that the Browns, uh, Isaiah Crowell, Duke Johnson, that's a lot of young players that they are developing. And so I think defense is going to get a lot more attention this year, uh, more than maybe Browns fans want to know or to hear about. But the defense is very, very uh, suspect right now. They don't have anybody outside of Ogba that really is able to get pressure. Jamie Collins can, but he's a better inside linebacker. They can get pressure through uh, packages and uh, blitzes, but on their own, they don't have anybody getting pressure. That's where Miles Garrett comes in. They also have a very weak secondary, and so those two are partnered together. They can't get pressure, and they have a weak secondary. No wonder they're giving up uh, 277 yards to uh, Landry Jones, who's terrible, right? And so the Browns have a lot of needs on defense. And when we look at free agency, so I already told you that they have over $100 million in cap space. I'll tell you where most of that's going to go or most likely going to go, and that's to Terrell Pryor. That's to Jamie Collins. That's to Isaiah Crowell, who's a restricted free agent. And most likely, that is to extensions to Joel Batonio and Christian Kirksey, who are finishing up their third season with the Browns. And if they're going to build on anything, they need to build on players like Betonio and Kirksey. So while Jimmy Haslam talked about being aggressive in free agency and keeping their guys, I think it's important to realize that this front office and this coaching staff wants talent, but they want talent for years and years to come. And so I could see someone like Luke Jokel, who uh, was a very high pick, um, so number two, I believe, overall to the Jaguars, just hasn't really worked out in Jacksonville, going to be a free agent. I could see him being a player that they try to spend some money on. I could see them being aggressive towards an Eric Berry type stud, um, but doubtful that um, anybody like that is actually going to leave their teams. So it's important for Browns fans to understand that Jamie Collins really was an early attempt at free agency, right? So when they re-sign their own, it doesn't impact, impact compensatory picks. It keeps... Um, the Browns from uh, missing out on him. So now Collins has been here for a little while. They know him. Maybe they can actually uh, impact his desire to be there. Uh, plus, they can franchise tag him. So while I expect the Browns to spend a lot of money this offseason, it's in the draft picks, and it's in keeping their young players that they are going to develop a team, a foundation of a team that you can be proud of from years to come. It's not going to come next year, guys. Five, six wins might be kind of how they top out. Maybe they get to a seventh win. It's in year three with the uh, rookies that we'll bring in this year, the rookies that we brought in last year, and the development of the young guys like Danny Shelton and Christian Kirksey and the rest of the guys already on the team. It's in year three that the Browns should be competitive for a playoff spot. And it's in year four that the Browns really should be evaluated if they can't make the playoffs. Year two should be a lot of fun with a lot of talent. In the end, year one doesn't really matter. It starts with that. It starts with one thing. That was this draft, this process, this foundation. Year two, year two is where we really bring in those high, 
high quality players, year three is when the competition and the playoffs come into focus. What do you think? Tell me what you think about year one and where the Browns are going for year two, three, and four. Tell me your expectations. Get a hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Thanks again for stopping by this Locked on Browns podcast. And go Browns!